a Pulp MX Network production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things motocentric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Welcome everybody to the Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast, episode number six. We're coming live from the high desert of California, lovely downtown Hesperia, California. Best meth labs running, five years, that's right. So today we're going to be talking about the 2017 KTM 450SXF Factory Edition. That's right, an Orange Brigade member over here now, and I came to the conclusion that I really like this bike when the Factory Edition came out, I don't know, earlier in May, and I really seem to be grabbing that bike lately in the garage versus other bikes. Um, so hopefully you listen to episode number five with my must-haves, and you guys like those parts that I've been using. But if you guys want to pick up those products that I test or approve, you can head over to RockyMountainATVMC.com backslash tested to check them out. I've been working uh, with the guys over there at Rocky Mountain to create some pages for you all so you guys can check out all the products that I approve and I have tested over there at Rocky Mountain ATVMC. And hopefully get a great deal on them and order them up and support this podcast, Kiefer Tested, because... If it wasn't for Rocky Mountain ATV, um, we wouldn't be here. So I want to thank those guys a lot for coming on board and helping this podcast along. So if you guys can order to, order up some parts from them, that'd be great. Rocky Mountain ATV MC is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, dual sport bikes, ATVs, street bikes. They have it all. With low prices, unparalleled customer service, and free three-day shipping, Free. It's easy to see why Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com is the, premier, is the premier shopping destination for the power sport enthusiast. Again, hit those guys up. They're helping me. So we're back. Episode 6. KTM 450 Factory Edition. Kind of living with the Factory Edition. Similar to what I do with the Honda and the Yamaha podcast. Just kind of want to tell you guys a little bit more about what I've done to that thing since... It's came out, and total hours put on that bike, 67 hours. And uh, that's all I do, people, is ride dirt bikes and type. I don't live a lavish life. I live in the high desert, right? So this is what I do for you guys. I ride, I type, I do these podcasts. I love talking about dirt bikes. I talk to you all at the track, social media, on my email, and if you guys have any questions, feel free. Chris at KieferInkTesting.com is my email address. You can get back to me, and we can uh, answer some questions. We can rap. We can sing. We can do whatever you want. But um, today, I want to tell you about what I've been doing with this thing. I've been on the Orange Brigade member. The Red Lens coming up. And this is the bike I chose for one of my classes. The reason why 
Super easy to ride. Great motor. When I first hopped on it, I don't know, last year, I wasn't a huge fan. I wasn't a huge fan of the fork. I didn't like the action of it. Um, but since the factory edition came out in 2017, I really come to enjoy this bike a lot. They made some changes to the fork, valving, a uh, few different parts inside. Shock valving's different, and it really helped balance this bike out. All of you guys know out there that I am not a huge fan of air forks, but if I'm going to live with an air fork, I would want to live with this WP AER fork. Uh, it actually moves in the stroke. It does change over time. It's not like a spring fork where it's consistent all day, but on that light bump, that stock fork is really good. It actually moves versus a Showa TAC or a KYB PSF1 or 2. The very top of the stroke doesn't move at all and the WP does so I do like the action of that fork it's a balanced feel now with the new bike the 2017.5 factory edition the 2018 bike is said to have the same changes inside as the factory edition so I'm looking forward to riding that and for those of you guys asking me if I am riding the new bikes yes it's kicking off next week the KX250F intros next week the Honda intro there is a lot of intros in the month of July, so stay tuned to um, these podcasts here. Subscribe to it if you haven't, and keyforinktesting.com. So I have the Yamaha, I have the Honda, I have the KTM in the garage. If I am grabbing one bike, I'm grabbing the KTM. Simple fact is I can ride it harder um, with less effort. Um, when I first got on it, I thought the bottom end wasn't the greatest because it rolls on smooth. So I was like, man, I would like to have some more bottom-end power, right? So then I compared it to the Honda and the KTM. And, yeah, the Honda and, Honda and um, sorry, the Honda and the Yamaha. When I went on the Honda and the Yamaha, I could roll the corner, and it felt like I had more excitement. But with the KTM, I'm more connected to the rear wheel. So I was thinking, ah, man, I don't think I can clear this jump from the inside. But it's deceiving because it's so connected and smooth I actually overjumped the jump, and I was like, holy shit, I can't believe like I feel that much connection to the ground. So I come to appreciate that um, aspect of the bike, and I could actually roll third gear in corners and just make my life easier on the track. Uh, with the 2017 bike, it comes, you know, obviously with the stock muffler, but with the factory edition, it comes with that slip-on Akropovich, that's how you say it, people. So if you're wondering how you say it, you can say it five times. Akropovich. That's the name of the muffler company. And they have a slip-on on that bike for the factory edition. And it's super quiet. Um, doesn't have the bottom-in throttle response as the stock muffler, the 2017 version. So I tried that. I thought it was okay. I was like, eh, I want some more crack of the throttle. want some more excitement throttle, throttle response. So I went with a full FMF system. Um, I really enjoyed that muffler system. It has better bottom-end throttle response and pull, but mid-to-top-end wasn't as good as this, just the standard Akrapovich slip-on. So I went back to the Akrapovich um, also, too, because FMF's really loud, and I like the quieter note of the Akrapovich better. So I went back to the slip-on, and then I got a head pipe from Akrapovich. I said, well, let's try the full system. 
it didn't really do much, honestly. I stuck that head pipe on, and it didn't really affect the bike negatively or positively. So um, I just stuck with the full system, left it on there, because obviously it's titanium and it looks, looks cool. The stock head pipe doesn't look as cool as the Akrapovich, so being the, the stickler I am with about best dressed, <laughs> I went with uh, the full system Akrapovich. So, again, not a lot of excitement down low. Pulls well, feels connected to the rear wheel. I do like that aspect. For, for, for those of you guys who are getting a KTM and want to get a muffler system on there, stand by because it is a freaking nightmare to put on a muffler. you got to take the shock out which is kind of a, a headache. You know, I'm a novice mechanic, so me and my son are out in the garage, you know, and he's listening to me curse because I take the shock out, got to drop the linkage. There's all different kinds of ways I've heard you can do it, but some guys take the, the swing arm pivot bolt out and drop it that way. But compared to the Yamaha, man, it's, it's way harder to change a muffler than it is um, on that blue bike. So um, stand by for that if you get a muffler. Uh, a couple problems that I encountered with the KTM was the fuel filters are clogging. Not huge issues, but you will want to get a few fuel filters from your local dealer and have those in your toolbox because what will happen is you'll start feeling like a, a dirty, rich sensation from your bike, and then all of a sudden it won't start because that fuel filter is clogged. And also with some of the fuel that's here in California, I've mentioned it several times in these podcasts, is not the best. So it kind of runs a little bit shittier with that fuel, and then it clogs the fuel filter. So I only had one that clogged out of, you know, 60 hours on the bike. So just have those, and just in case you don't want to be going to the track and have that fuel filter clog up, and then your bike runs like shit or doesn't start. So just have a couple on hand. Um, I also had a relay go out Um that was I thought it was like a fuel pump just when I, my bike was running went to the track uh, went to go do another moto and it would crank over crank over crank over but nothing would happen so I was thinking oh shit but took it back to KTM they diagnosed it and it was a relay up in the battery up on top so it wasn't a huge issue but that's something you might want to carry around too just a couple relays um, also be on the lookout for your spokes and sprocket bolts on that bike. I have broke two spokes in the rear wheel. And it's not as bad as the, I want to say the 2016 KTM 450, which had tapered spokes. And when we were at Dirt Rider, me and Chris Dennison, we broke a wheel and ripped out, you know, eight spokes, just shaved them. So they've remedied that problem, but um, I have broke a couple spokes not in the same area as before, but just make sure. And it could be from my mechanical error not checking them enough because a couple of them were loose when I found out they were broken. So just always check your spokes on that on that sucker. And also the sprocket bolts. Um, if you guys don't do it already, blue lock tied them at least. I had some guys that red lock tied them. I don't do that just because I go through sprockets a lot because I use aluminum sprockets and not steel. So... I eat up sprockets, so I just put blue Loctite, and that seems to work. But just, you know, carry an open-end wrench, check them every other motor or so, just so you're not backing out sprocket bolts, because I've had that happen on other bikes, and just shave the whole sprocket off the hub, and it's not pretty, and you don't want to eat shit in the air. Uh, 
suspension. So stock suspension's okay, like I said. The AER fork's pretty good. But I went to WP and wanted to get some A-level kit stuff on there. So I tried the AER cone valve fork that the WP has, and I also had a cone valve spring fork. I didn't want to give up on the air fork. I always still want to try and see if it's going to be good and hopefully be better than a spring fork one day. So going to the AER cone valve fork, um, the action of it was a little bit firmer, had better performance on slap down landings, and decel bump comfort was actually a little bit better than the stock AER fork. So the AER cone valve fork, I ran, they have two chambers in that fork. So they have a positive chamber and a negative chamber in that in the AER cone valve. I went with 11.2 bars. That was a happy setting in the positive chamber. And a negative 12.5 um, bars in the negative chamber. Sorry. So that is a good base setting if you guys are going to the AER cone valve. If I was going to choose a set of forks to put on there, I would go with the cone valve fork for the simple fact of I get more front end traction. I have better comfort on D-cell bumps, but that AER cone valve fork does work when I ride it really hard and I try to jump through some D-cell bumps and I do some things, it really holds up well. But once again, it's kind of a pain in the ass to adjust and check. To me, it doesn't warrant trying to get that fork versus the cone valve fork. Cone valve fork works really, really well. Um, I just did a product report on it on keyfreaktesting.com. But compared to the stock AER fork, you're getting added comfort on D-cell, more front-end traction, performance is better. I can over-jump stuff, and it doesn't hurt my hands or wrists like the AER cone and the standard AER fork. For some reason, with those air forks that WP has, it moves in the stroke initially, it's good, but at the very end of the stroke, it has a really hard spike feel, and I don't like that because it hurts my hands at the end of the day. I'll be driving home, and my wrists hurt, and my wrists never hurt. I went to the cone valve spring, rode the same tracks, did the same stuff, wrist didn't hurt. I just feel like the action of the cone valve, it moves freer, dampening is good, and overall predictability of that fork is very high. I would, you know, actually, I'm going to. I'm going to try putting some of those cone valve forks on other Japanese models because WP offers that now for the Honda Cowie, and I would like to try that because I feel like the cone valve WP stuff has come a long way, and it's really good. A lot of you guys ask me about the Trax shock that WP has. Um, high adjustability. The Trax system, I am not too sure of. I tried it with the Trax on and off. I actually went to a test and did a blind test, and they didn't tell me if it was on or off. And over several tests that I did over the course of the day, I always chose the setting with the Trax off. The reason being is with the tracks off, the whole rear of the bike has more of a dead feeling to me. I can charge into bumps or hit 
faces of jumps very hard and the the rear of the bike's not very active so that's what a dead feeling means for you guys out there i can jump into something or hit some decel bumps really hard and the rear of the bike stays flat and doesn't react um, to my throttle hand as much as with the tracks on with the tracks on i could come out of a corner and acceleration bumps has a lot of comfort but the downside to have the tracks on, it, it feels more freer and it moves a little bit more around in the rear. So on a motocross track, I tend to steer away from that feeling. If I was riding high-speed GPs, works, or you know desert stuff, I feel like maybe having that tracks on would help you so the rear wheel is always moving and sticking to the ground. So for you off-road guys out there, I would say try it with it on. I think you would like it a lot. But for me, being a moto guy, you know, 70% of the time, I left that WP shock with the tracks off. So if you guys are going to buy, you know, a system from WP Factory Services and you're a moto dude, um, ask them to set it up if they are setting it up for you. If you're not having another, you know, dealer do it, have it with the tracks off and try it like that. That's what I would recommend. But overall... Just having that cone valve fork and the track shock is really a noticeable change for those of you that listen to my how to test. If the stock um, AER and stock shock on the KTM is a three, the cone valve fork and the track shock would be at least a 3.5 in my opinion. It's a very noticeable difference and to me it's better for the long term of ha- not having to screw with your fork in the morning, not having it feel different during the day. I'm a front end steer, so that cone valve fork has more front end traction. Also, I didn't mention when you're going from the AER to the cone valve, you will notice some weight difference. The cone valve is maybe a couple pounds heavier than the AER fork. So, right when I got on the track, I noticed a little heavier steering feeling coming into corners, leaning in, I just noticed a little bit of a heavier feel, which was shocking to me because I really didn't think I'd feel that, but I actually noticed it right away. It took me maybe 10 to 15 minutes to get used to that feeling because I was on the AER for so long, and once I was 15 minutes into a moto, I was used to it, and I immediately got, you know, thought it was better. So to compensate, if you guys do feel like if it's a heavier steering feeling with that cone valve fork, Try to loosen up your steering head a little bit on your bolt, and maybe that will help you compensate for a little bit better tip-in on lean angle. But just make sure um, it's not so loose where you're going to maybe get a little head shake. If you guys start to get a little head shake out there, maybe tighten that back up a little bit. So it's a fine line, but you will notice some weight in the front end when you first start, but not a huge issue. I tried a piston, high-compression piston in that, because like I said earlier, I wanted to see if I could get more bottom-in grunt. And I went with a J&E piston, um, 14 to 1, which is, you know, race gas material. So if you guys are wanting to go that direction, it is better on the bottom-end, guys. You get more excitement. You still have the connectivity to the rear wheel, though. Still smooth and linear, but you will get some more grunt out of corners, like bottom end feel, like real snappy. So I did like that piston, but the downside is you have to run race gas more than a T4. 
you would have to run maybe uh, Pro 6 or MR12 or I wouldn't recommend a 4.4 U4.4 um, it's kind of a dirty fuel but uh, some of you guys do like it so you guys can run that um, so the piston is a good good choice if you want to do something to the engine I've had over 20 hours on the piston and it didn't do anything and took it out looked good and everything was fine but make sure you run good quality race gas tried messing with ignitions on the KTM uh, stock stocks fine but me being me I wanted to try something different so I went to a vortex ignition it helped somewhat uh, for you guys out there thinking about that I would not go that direction for the money the payoff is not that much you're gonna get a little bit better pull on the bottom end I didn't really notice anything in the mid-range and you got a little bit better over rev but for 500 bucks for the vortex it I would stick with the stock ignition the vortex on the Yamaha you know that was a great move I really thought that was better and that was worth the money to me but for the KTM man it really didn't make me salivate wanting that thing on my bike all the time so I ended up going back and just putting stock ignition on throttle tubes so lock-on grips I've explained this before ODI makes the lock-on grip super convenient right but I'm gaining rigidity from adding a throttle tube obviously aluminum you guys some of you guys have to go aluminum tubes I don't I stick with plastic tubes so I take the lock on the lock-on grips off just stick standard rental half waffle grips or whatever grips you guys like you can get um, a KTM plastic tube at your local dealer and just stick it on and do that so that's what I did I took those ODIs off and uh, went that route and I noticed less you know pain in my wrists especially when I was on the AER fork I really wanted to get less rigidity and it helped a little bit um, when I went to standard grip didn't completely remove uh, my pain in my wrist from the fork but it does help so if you guys are feeling anything like that in your arms or something maybe try that first and it's a cheap cheap way to go just buy some standard grips get a plastic throttle tube and do it up front brake I actually uh, the 2018 Huskies are coming with Magura front brakes now um, KTM has Brembo I've always loved Brembo brakes. I didn't feel the need to go to an oversized disc with this KTM. The Brembos are so good. But if you guys are in tune with the KTM Husky brands, um, Husky really tries to be their own brand, even though they are the same bike. You know, Husky doesn't like when the media says, oh, it's the same bike, or the KTM and Husky tied because, you know, they're the same bike. But they feel different on the track. So... Not to get off topic, the front brake is good on the KTM, but if you guys are looking for a little bit more power and you want more modulation at your front brake, because the Brembo is kind of touchy and really powerful, um, I actually rode a 2018 version of the Husky, and it had a Magura setup on it, and it was really progressive and very powerful. I could actually use that front brake more and modulate it better through corners than I could with the Brembo, which was shocking to me because Brembo usually sets the bar high for all brakes. But the Magura was really good, powerful, and 
um, progressive. Similar to the same brake I tried on the Honda, the Ride Engineering, they have their own brake system, and um, it's similar to that, but more powerful. So if you guys are looking for more power, maybe look in that direction, and just maybe go to your local Husky dealer and just buy the front brake system that comes with the 2018 Huskies. Um, loading up my KTM the other day, I noticed a lot of creaking and cracking, which was kind of weird to me, up near the triple clamp area when I pushed down on the fork. I could just feel it going, cack, 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 little weird sensation like it was trying to bind. So I unloaded it, took it out, put it on the stand, and took the front wheel off, relaxed the pinch bolts on the fork, and kind of tighten everything back up, make sure everything was straight and not bound, put the wheel back on, and, you know, torque the pinch bolts again to where the spec says, and it didn't do it. Super weird, right? A couple weeks go by, didn't hear it, didn't hear it, go to load it up again and push down on it, I hear it again. Super weird. Unload it, take the wheel off, let everything relax, took the fork, actually dropped the fork this time, took it out, put it back on, tighten everything back up. It didn't do it. So I don't know the issue with that is. I'm going to ask KTM when I see them for some intros here coming up, but never really heard it or felt anything when I rode. It was just when I was in the garage, pushing the fork up and down, loaded into the van. Um, but maybe somewhere it gets bound up and starts creaking in the triple clamps. Visually, nothing's wrong. So, I just, you know, for you guys out there, if you do, if you guys do feel that, just take your front wheel off and do what I did, and just, you know, kind of loosen everything back up, make it relax again, torque it back down, and see if it does. It should take care of the problem for a while. So, I don't know why it's like that, but it, it that that's how it is. It's super weird. And going back to the stock AER fork, just so you guys know. Um, 10.8 bars is the recommended standard setting. And I'm sorry for all you PSI guys out there. I just go off of bars. Um, so 10.8 is the recommended setting that, you know, the sticker that says on your fork. I start with 10.7. Don't be scared to start um, at 10.7 because the air pressure will build up during the day and you will feel more holdup as the day progresses. And honestly, Within 20 to 25 minutes of riding and the heat during the day, it'll rise up to 10.8, no problem. You'll be back at the standard setting. But I just found it would be better to start a little lower and have it build because I have started at 10.8 before. And after two 30-minute motos, pulling in, letting it cool down for about 20 minutes and then checking the pressure, it went up to almost 11 bars. So... After doing it 10.7, I, I ended at the end of the day at 10.9. So try 10.7 um, on the stock shock as well. Sorry, I forgot to mention this. I'm just thinking back in my head here. The, sh the shock, when it gets broken in, it's super soft on high-speed compression. So I turn mine halfway, um, uh, half stiffer, and it'll hold up better coming up faces of jumps. And actually coming out of corners give you more comfort because I think it rides too low in the rear coming out of corners with the sag about 105. I tried playing with sag on the stock stuff, 103, raising it, and it just wasn't a balanced feel. 
So sticking with a 105 millimeter sag and going a half stiffer on the high speed really helped um, the comfort when um, you're coming out of corners on acceleration chop and jump faces because without that, man, I was laying rubber down underneath my rear fender, guys. Like there was a ton of rubber and I could feel that every time I went up a sharp face of a jump. It could just feel like the end was kind of mushy and it didn't have a lot of damping feeling. So turn your high speed up and that will help that. But otherwise, man, this thing has been a fun bike. There's not a whole lot of tips and tricks on this sucker because, honestly, it's a damn good bike stock. And I'm very stoked to be riding this thing. And hopefully KTM keeps evolving and doing these these great stock bikes because I've heard um, next year's factory edition is all new. Supposed to have a new frame and all this stuff. I assume they're sticking with the steel frame, and I hope they are because... I really have come to like a steel frame, especially out here in California where the dirt isn't as soft and it's choppy, square edgy, hard pack. Um, going back and forth from the aluminum frame bikes to the steel frame bikes, I can really feel a difference of how much flex I'm getting and comfort I'm getting coming into corners. I feel more um, contact patch with my tires with this steel frame versus the aluminum frame. and. Um, I'm really starting to like that feel. So hopefully a KTM keeps evolving and pushing the limits and making these other manufacturers um, step their game up as well because that's what it's forcing them to do. And in return, all that does is help us riders out there because we're getting better production motorcycles. So I'm not a Yamaha guy. I'm not a KTM guy. I'm just a fan of good bikes. And KTM has developed a damn good bike and uh, hopefully it does me well at Loretta's. So not really uh, anything else to tell you guys about this machine. It's, like I said, over 60 hours on it. It's been super reliable. Only a couple things that I uh, had to keep up on or or look at, and it has electric start. I'm into it. Um, I'm glad all the other manufacturers are starting to go that way because I'm getting old and lazy, and I don't want to kick that son of a bitch. So pushing a button super cool. Um Standard offset on a KTM is great. I stick with that. I don't mess with it. It turns insane. It lays over nice. It's super lightweight. Um, but, yeah, man, I hope you guys enjoy this bike as much as I do. And, uh, yeah, and I hope you, you hope to see you at the track on a KTM and be part of the Orange Brigade. So um, I will be back for Episode 7 next week. We're going to do some hard part tests and... I think me and my wife are going to get together and do some fun uh, podcasts as well about uh, husband and wife situations about moto. So she puts up a, puts up with a lot of stuff with me, and uh, I thought that would be a fun podcast to do. But we're going to be doing all kinds of fun stuff here. So, so stay tuned. If not, subscribe to Kiefer Tested on iTunes. And don't forget to go to RockyMountainATVMC.com. Buy some parts. Let's keep this thing rolling. I'll get better at this. And we will have a good time. So see you all later.